0: Hello, Universians, and welcome to the fourth installment of Before Lunch Ends. We had a short break uh, between the transition from the year 20 th- 2018 to 2019. We are back strong, ready to give you guys the content that you want to listen to on a semi-regular basis. We'll commit to at least one podcast a month, hopefully more. Um, we have the three of us here today, Cooper, Lynn, Frank Abusick, Eric Strauss, myself. We also have a, a someone sitting in, listening. Uh, Benedict Mann. Uh,
1: oh yeah. Hello, Benedict. Listening mode.
0: So he's in listening mode. But should you like to participate, feel free. Um, so yeah, today we're gonna we're gonna introduce a, a new section of our he's, podcast. is our first
1: huh? international.
0: He is. Audience. He is. Yeah, we've grown. We don't.
2: We don't. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah, grown since so. since
0: last year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah.
2: He liked us so much he flew out just to. Yeah, to that's actually why he's here. recording. Yeah. Which
0: we appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My flight back to Germany leaves tonight. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> <laughs> that's this is our this is where our reach is going, guys. So, yeah. jump on. You're Tra- getting on the, the ground. Trains are leaving. Time to get on. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna do <clears throat> same. You know. We got some topics we want to talk about today but before we get to that I just wanted to address some of the news that's happened since we last spoke mainly this whole um, this whole China landing on the moon and growing a plant I mean did you guys hear about that right so so basically the, the background is China flew a mission to the moon they landed on the dark side of the moon yeah and they brought with them some biological material they brought a seed and it has now germinated on the moon, it's growing on the moon, and this is the first instance of anything biological growing on the moon. So, like,
1: so these opposite crazy. facing side of the moon, not yeah. necessarily the dark side, but the oh, side is, of the that moon what it is pointing in the opposite direction. Because there's always one side of the moon always faces Earth, and it just so happens it rotates as as there. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So it, we always see one side, but yeah.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, so it's pretty, I mean, this, yeah. This what is is this, a, what's the next step? Like, what does this mean, you know? It's,
2: kind of forest. Well, it's a forest. <laughs> it's going mean, to be a forest. I mean, <laughs> growing, you know, growing organics on a planet is like the first step to colonizing the planet, really. You know what I mean? I mean, even if you just watch The Martian, you can get a good idea of how that works. You know, you in order to uh, have any type of self-sustaining structure, you need to be able to grow your own food there because transporting food to the moon is not a sustainable solution to yeah. scale a base on the moon.
0: Sure, okay. you know it's interesting that the plant they brought was actually cotton, so the first thing that, yeah. So they're going to make blue jeans on the moon to yeah. sustain their existence. That's the first, I mean that's clearly Great. where they're going with that, right? You've got
2: to have an export, right? But what's
0: interesting, I mean, I guess, you know, probably the decision was made to, to choose cotton because, uh, you know, it had certain characteristics mm-hmm. that would like, guarantee that, yeah, yeah. hardy, it could, it could grow on the moon, but, yeah. you know, definitely the next step after that would want to see how how you know edible plants would grow on the moon you know right. can you grow corn on the moon
2: if we can recycle water at scale which we can do handily on the international space station you know those guys are drinking their own piss all the time uh their own urine so. it year in urine, urine. Yeah. but uh <laughs> you know the other steps are defense against cosmic rays still figuring that one out yeah um and a sustainable solution for food yeah. which you know had the best way to do that is the old way just growing so if we can figure that out you know co- the cosmic ray problem is obviously being tackled as far as the uh, trip to Mars is concerned sure yeah and yeah, yeah I mean a col- colonizing the moon is going to be far far more important to humanity than I think people appreciate
0: sure right. I Totally, totally agree. Um, yeah, especially, I mean, there are a lot of implications uh, in terms of just having a, another base, another home base, right, uh, being closer to Mars. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, not that much, right, but at least being being in a position where we're not just stuck here, you know, living and, and trying to learn about the universe from here. We have, uh, the, the technological requirements to sustain people on the moon are, uh, substantial, and if we can get mm-hmm. to that point, you know, there's not really a limiting factor other than the ability to travel, right? You know, Figure from out. us living Figure on our all the survival well, well, so we we within, also, within some constraints, right?
2: Well, well, we'll need to also learn how to make all of this not all, but much of the materials we need to make our structures and stuff out of the materials that are on the moon, true? So, like, that's yeah. gonna be another, yeah, I want to say. Problem because it, it seems like that's a pretty familiar problem to humanity. Sure. But, you know, it seems to me like ever since the whole idea of going to the moon, or sorry, going to Mars, uh, like human missions to Mars became, you know, pop culture, the idea of colonizing the moon came a lot less sexy because it's yeah. like, oh, we already did that that's shit. That's close. Like, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's like, you think, okay, so what are the implications of having a, a base on the moon? So instantly, all of this technology that we kind of have the ability to build, but don't have the ability to get off of Earth, is now accessible to us. So, it's very likely that we will not be able to launch our Mars mission from anywhere else except the Moon, because yeah. uh, what I forget how long the the journey is. It's like oh. six months or eight months. It's like it gest- two to years. years. I thought it was like a gestation period. It's like nine months. It's a get, long time. To yeah, get to yeah. Mars. It's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, the amount of fuel required to sustain that journey, especially if you're talking a return trip, not feasible with current technology if we're launching from Earth like fuel ends up being like eighty percent of the payload. Yeah, you basically gotta make your fuel on Mars to get back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, and right. you know, so what's the obvious solution? That well, you lose most of your fuel on the launch, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where you are actually fighting gravity. Right. So if you can preclude that part of the the launch by going from somewhere that, what is Moon Moon like? 4, uh, or, uh, 0.4 G's? Point three something. Oh like
0: that? yeah, it's definitely less. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. whatever
2: it is, like significantly, significantly reduces the burden to get us off there. There's a lot of technology that we're interested in building which really can only happen in space. I mean, this is kind of more in the scientific realm but it's something we were just talking about the other day which is the new uh, particle collider. You know, we've got CERN and that's pretty much reached its uh, size limit. You know, what we've found is CERN is really like our microscope into the quantum world uh and we've seen really just about everything we'll be able to see from the current uh system and the only limiting factor to that is just the size of the accelerator yeah and so it can get a little better on earth but there will be a point that i think we are very close to that in order to see any deeper into uh the elementary uh, table of particles we will have to build a hadron collider that At least it's circumference of the Earth, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it will need to be built in space. In space, yeah, clearly. I mean, and then you think about okay, the the easiest way to think of make a uh, a new Lego, you know, to discover gravitational waves, put that in space. All that is Mm -hmm. is that it's just an interferometer, which is like one of the, you know...
0: Most basic scientific instruments for detecting like phase shifts and waves. Right, right? just measure the time Mm -hmm.
2: it takes something to go from A to B.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Right, well you just want to have a very long distance between A and B to get sensitive information, so... Just lots of stuff. There's Mm -hmm. obviously more important to less like, you know, scientifically intriguing things that you need to be on the moon for, but this is the first step for sure.
1: Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, So moonwalking will take on a whole new thing once we it yeah. hey, would
2: well, like, yeah. well also, the way humans develop is good to moonwalk change. on the moon. Maybe. Well, y- yeah, I mean think about how many of <laughs> We're going to call them
1: moonwalkers.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you Moonwalker know. Moonwalkers
2: squared. The, ne- <laughs> the next Sorry. really, no, it's fine. Like, the next biological step after growing things on the moon is growing people on the moon. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there will eventually be the first baby born on the moon. Right. Uh, that baby will probably be physiologically very different from normal humans. Because we develop and every single one of our systems has you know gravity of 9.8 meters per second squared mm. in mind right yep so the second that changes the way your body develop changes like you know like the, the, the way that our bodies are proportioned are specifically designed for you know ambulation, ambulatization, whatever the on word Earth. is yeah. on Earth. Yeah, right.
0: And, and other other things like, uh, I mean, some of the research they've done on the astronauts who've lived on the ISS for so long, like bone density, yeah. you, yep. you know, yeah. that's a, mm-hmm. and so you get on Earth and, the, and uh, I mean, and your muscles atrophy yeah. if you don't work out and things like that. Um, but yeah, so complete physiological changes. You think that would, um, you know, uh, that would happen, I mean, that would happen within it would, it would, the physiological changes would certainly happen to anyone who lived on the moon for any period of time. I think,
2: yeah. And I don't was, think it'll take a, a evolutionary time scale yeah. for that to happen. I think just the gestation period, mm-hmm. you not being exposed to Earth's gravity during that time mm-hmm. is going to significantly yeah. change how you're born. So I wonder what, about inborn.
1: what you just said, if it would take a generation or two, to, or if it would instantly be... Obvious to the the development differences. Of I think media. there are
2: certain changes that are yeah. still yeah. obvious. Sure, for sure. Would would the kid learn to
0: walk faster? Ah, because ah, it's not excellent. Because let's go to the point eight
2: one. Yeah, I don't know. You know, right? It was. Probably. You know, you think of how much of our like uh, kinetic force is generated <clears throat> from our legs compared to the rest of our body. Like yeah. that's. Uh, Proportion that's specific to earth. Mm -hmm. So I think that something that would immediately well on the evolutionary time scale start to change is things like your legs would become less powerful and that energy would be diverted Uh into some other part of your body. You know what I mean? Like the 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 big reason uh, that humans developed to be so intelligent is because once we started to eat food that was nutritious, our bodies devoted way more yeah. mass energy to our brains than other like systems, like our mm. um, intestinal systems and mm. stuff like that. So basically,
0: so basically, you're saying you live on the moon, or you know, over some period of time,
2: generations,
0: uh, people on the moon would become smarter.
2: I think I think people. literally, their brain volumes would be event, yeah, would evolve to become much larger because <clears throat> one, they don't need. They, they need less of the other resources mm-hmm. available to the body while it's developing. Yeah. And the brain is con- constrained to grow less by gravity. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how, like, skull formations change as a result yeah. of
1: that. And if that, per- if the, you know, a person born on the moon comes to Earth, they're not going to be able to walk.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they fall flat. They probably break their bones. Yeah, you we know, be simulate
1: because like, if we ever wanted to go to Venus, which are the pressure there is, I forget how much
0: mm-hmm.
1: more intense than it is on Earth. Basically, on the Venus, the pressure is so high that it crushes anything that we send there. And obviously, if you send a human from Earth to Venus, yeah. it may be similar than taking somebody that was born on the moon and sending them to Earth. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but mm. just, yeah. Just, uh, the strength versus pressure differences
0: we live in interesting times I'd love to if, if there if anyone you know Blue Origin or SpaceX whoever is ever offering commercial flights trips to the moon I hope that I have the financial resources to make that happen because oh, yeah. I think I uh, would I'll be spending I would
2: an unadvisable um, amount of yeah life, I would I would, I would definitely sure you could do donate
0: that. yourself to some experimental oh, trips. I, well you're, t- you're totally right yeah It <laughs> wouldn't necessarily even be like a uh, in fact it probably wouldn't be it probably the first people who go to the moon probably have like you know a, a mission right like, yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna live there and you're gonna build stuff and all right. you know, yeah,
2: no, I'm not a vacation I think yeah
0: <laughs> Not with not when it costs whatever it costs to send you know food and everything to the moon however many oh, yeah, thousands yeah, of dollars no. per kilogram like no, no, no. Uh-uh. This, this is not a vacation we're putting that energy to use yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah well so that's fascinating. You know, one of the other sort of a hard transition here, I guess, but uh, one of the other topics I was we want to try to think how can we make this similar? Frank make this happen for us. It's
1: like we have speaking the of
0: construction. A- <laughs> hey, oh, there yeah, we, we go. Yeah, we know, just just we go. Bit,
1: hey.
0: So <laughs> we were batting around or just sort of thinking about this concept earlier last week about just how when you look at nature and things in nature and in the universe, how similar. Um, they look their yeah, patterns, patterns their, the design machine, of these yeah. things. So, for instance, you know, you look at a river, uh, from you know, from sort of a high level. You know, maybe you're up in space looking down on a river, and the pattern it makes as it winds through the earth and the tributaries that it, you know, that fork out of it, and the streams that fork out of that or I guess the tributaries go into the river, but you see what I mean? Like you get like this sort of- Network. network of water, which looks very similar to a blood vessel, which looks very similar to, you know, the roots in a tree or the branches in a tree or lightning, you know, going from uh, the the, uh, atmosphere to the ground or any number of different patterns like that. And the, you know, so the, the curiosity is like, why is that? You know, why there's something that's sort
1: of governing this pattern And even at a much bigger scale, I think this initial conversation came out of if you can take everything that humans have observed, you see clusters and clusters of galaxies, and these clusters of galaxies become these strands of connected energy, and when you observe that, it looks very much like kind of what you just explained. It Mm -hmm. looks like almost a brain network of neurons, and how that looks very similar to something like a tree branch or the way the water flows on. A planetary surface um, and how basically different scales of nature um, replicate the same patterns yeah. Almost like a diffract like yeah. a fractally you yeah.
2: know right well I mean you know you think about it you know patterns exist for a reason otherwise there wouldn't be patterns and like math is just a language to describe patterns you know yeah. what I mean because yeah. math relies on specific outcomes coming at the result of known inputs. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean And that only happens when you're aware of the patterns that you know govern the system from A to B. And you know physical laws are very very slow to change and very slow to develop and you know it, it, the universe or God or whoever, Likes to be very efficient with their systems, and if something works in one place, you're going to recycle it if it works in another place, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the idea that... It's like programming code. You're never supposed to repeat your code. Yeah, so, you know, okay, so why do rivers form in, like, these dendritic patterns, you know, where they have these little tendrils that push off? Well, you know... The pressures that it, that it feels are changing, you know, and if it's just a, it's like, it's like why a stiff dead tree is le- more susceptible to break than bamboo, you know what I mean? Like bamboo is willing to flex and change its form to fit the stimulus, and that's what the river is doing, you know what I mean? And When there's a new stimulus, instead of, of just, like, overflowing in its in its structure and then eroding into just, like, a lake or whatever, right. it just forms a new path so that it can alleviate some of that pressure and spread it out over the whole system, Yeah, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a, a long, So, exactly. However, however, the theory... So, did some digging into this, right? We found uh, a guy named Adrian Bajan. I'm not sure if pronouncing that right, uh, B-E-J-A-N, if you have comments on that, let us know. Um, so he's got this theory law, uh, it's called constructal theory, and basically asserts that this pattern is, it's it's basically the result of, so you have, you have these flow systems in the universe, you know, electricity, water, uh, a tree branch, whatever matter, um, and the reason you see these patterns is because the system is trying to allow for its currents, like the, the the flow of the thing in in that system, to reach as many places, as, or not reach as many places as possible, but be as accessible as possible to its to its. Uh, Extremities, I guess. It's
2: like a well, sort of I, like that. I mean, path it, of least it, it, resistance. And, to, and that's the easiest way to yeah. think about it. You know, like I, I think a lot of the way he describes it is in like the very mathematical and quantifiable yeah. uh, way, or just you know, attempting to articulate a new law. But you just think about it: principle of least action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like things will take the easiest, most efficient route because. Lossy systems don't last very long, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. physics has the same, you know, forces of natural selection you can think of that, you know, evolution does. Yeah. If there is a system that's inefficient, it's not going to get reproduced. You know, efficient systems get reproduced. So the most efficient systems are the ones where you can get to A to B with as minimal loss as possible. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the idea of something becoming more accessible is, similar but not equivalent to entropy in that, you know, entropy starts in in a very ordered state. You could think of it as, I don't know, air in in a, a compressed air can, you know what I mean? Very ordered state. Took a lot of work to get that air compressed in that can. And if you start crunching the can in different directions, it's going to find Every single weak point in that can immediately and start pushing out of them. You know what I mean? That has nothing. There's no, uh, you know, inherent law or reason that that happens other than it's constantly finding the easiest path to to move and and, and spread out so that it's not. Uh, well, I guess I, I'm kind of making it sound like there's intention involved. Sure, I mean, yeah. There's obviously no intention involved. Right. It's just the idea that gradients don't, they don't remain over time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can't have, or sorry, rather, if you have a gradient of pressure, like high pressure in one area, low pressure in the other area, you know, over time, those equivalent, equi- reach equilibrium. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so that happens in everything. You know, that's right. why we're talking about lightning. Like, the reason that lightning takes the shapes that it does is because the composition of all of the particles in the air is not uniform right if it was then the path of lightning would just be straight to the ground because it would find one hole where all of like the nitrogen whatever ad- atoms are equally uh, are equally separated and it would just sh- shoot right through the middle of it but that's obviously not how air is it's it's yeah it's homogeneous but random in a right. sense. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to weave through that like plinko when you drop one of those mm-hmm. little coins down the slot with all the pegs. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep going in it and it's just going to find, okay, so there's a little pocket uh, of open a- atoms in this direction. going to lose some of the energy of this high pressured system dissipated in that direction so we don't overflow, yeah. you know, keep going down, find the next thing. And then it's just the fastest, most efficient way of taking that uh, charge gradient, yeah. you know, p- uh, potential difference, and smoothing it out as quickly as possible. Yeah, and like
0: you said, this this uh, pattern, if you will, extends to everything, right? The yeah. path of least resistance. <clears throat> so I wonder, you know, Frank, your thoughts on, like, how it extends to... Uh, this might not be the right application, but if you think about this more abstractly, like the decisions that a human makes over the course of their life, if you think about time as like a flow pattern, you know, mm-hmm. like your life as a as a trajectory and, you know, sort of branching off or, you know, not to get too, well, too metaphysical, like we're living yeah. all these lives at the same time, but but just being able to make that choice between all these, all these different, uh, you know,
1: different paths that you could let's say, could yeah. take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I <clears throat> certainly see, you know, as we go through time, um, you have options to make a choice of where you think's the best way to go, but you may have something pushing back. Like, like if I turn right and there's another person there, they're gonna run into me and push me, I'm gonna have to make a little jog to go around them. Um, so I don't know if that's where you're- Yeah, you're, uh, you're, I
2: agree. Like, yeah. yeah, I think one of the interesting yeah. things that this guy Bijan said is that biological systems and f- geophysical systems uh, have different like objectives, if you will, but end up exhibiting the same paths towards those objectives. So, uh, you know, physics is just going to end up, it's, it's just a one direction entropy gaining system, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's no intention involved and the f- purely physical system doesn't care what state it's in, It's just going to allow the least resistance path to be taken. Whereas biological systems have a directive, right? They want to live. Sure. Yeah. And if if, if a biological system just allowed entropy to govern it completely without resistance, it would just die, right? Right. Like that's what would happen if we just sat here and didn't do anything. Right, so we have the objective to minimize entropy while physical systems have no objective and then just go always constantly towards higher entropy. And so on that sense, you know, like, you do things that are difficult because they're rewarding. Like, you have a job even though it's difficult because it sustains you. You learn new things because it's good for your personality and mm-hmm. character building. You know, you enter in relationships that are difficult because they're good for you over the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a million. You no know, Exercise, obviously. Right, yeah. Difficult, but incredibly <laughs> good for you. But there is the, the path of least resistance calculus happens there, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're faced with four different exercise types, you're going to choose the one where you're putting in the least amount of effort but getting the most return from right. it. You know what I mean? Right, hopefully. So in that <laughs> sense, right, you're going you're still going down that like dendritic path of least resistance, but it's towards minimizing entropy. Whereas you can see the purest expression of that in all physical systems where it's just allowing least resistance to be the only governing force.
1: Right. Like when you do a workout, you're you're doing a workout so that you become stronger and your cardiovascular system become stronger. But at some point, you can only work out so much to make yourself stronger, you have to give in to the path of leaf resistance, which is basically falling asleep right. rest, and being at rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I want. I mean, so uh,
0: this is clearly fascinating, but do we have a, do we have a bird? Is there a that's, bird? Oh, it's, it's a chair, chair bird. <laughs> sure. uh, I wonder if we can, in the remaining couple minutes, just sort of pontificate on like, what is this? What can we do with this? Right. So we've noted,
1: we note, we see these patterns. Is so it just, a, is it? Are the, we just aware of them now? Like the one pattern, and this is kind of I'm trying to be a little comical, is like when I flush the toilet or I let the water go in the bath drain, it goes down in a spiral. And you know, in a sense, a black hole is a spiraling of mass into a high gravity source. So I could study a drain system and maybe get some insight about what happening on the opposite side of the hmm. black hole. Yeah. true yeah no I, I see, think so it's so a little far you fetched, going, but I see where
2: you're going absolutely. yeah well trying to introduce them I, I think <coughs> that the, the key takeaway is that like if what what this principle is saying is that regardless of what the objective is as long as you attack an objective and you have some structure in which you attack it you will find yourself going into this like configuratory pattern and I think because we see that there are certain structures based on this like mandate that echo each other, you know, like what we were saying, how neurons are similar to galactic clusters and, uh, you know, tons of things like that. There, you you kind of have an idea of the intention, you know, to take the actual conscious part out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can say, okay, even if I don't know what's happening on the other side of a black hole, I know that the systems will very likely exhibit these higher-order principles of least action. Yeah. So I can draw conclusions, not necessarily about like what the quantitative physics will sure. be in, but like what laws it's going to abide sort by. Sort of the
0: intuition behind it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So all sorts you can do with that. Um, but well, anyways, guys. So we we have we have uh, come to the end of our like I said, fourth installment of the, of the Before Lunch Ends mm-hmm. podcast. We hope you guys have enjoyed it.
2: We'll try and get um, one of, of, a, of, a more, uh, uh, of a longer length.
0: Yeah, yeah, we sort of we ran into some issues. Isch- you know, couldn't get started for a while, but, but we're glad we were able to get at least, a, you know, almost 30 minutes in. Hopefully you guys will in, uh, join us next time, which would be, we'll say, yeah two to three weeks or so. We'll have another podcast out for you. And in the meantime, you know, uh, let us know what you think about the podcast, and um, go mm, go contemplate the universe. Go, contemplate the universe. <laughs> go construct something. All right. Goodbye.